So for those of you who've come consistently, I feel like I see quite a few new faces this morning, but we have been in the Sermon on the Mount for quite a while now. Now, just to review a little bit, the Sermon on the Mount is a sermon that Jesus gave when he was here on earth, and it's a long sermon. And he gave it up on a mountain, and he was talking to his disciples and to a large crowd of people. And um, Craig and I are teaching, and then Viv will teach too. The three of us kind of rotate, and we're not going in order in this sermon. We're kind of going with what speaks to us at the time. So today, I want to talk about Matthew 7, which is this whole sermon is in Matthew 7 and farther, and verses 12 and 14. So we're going to read those verses together. So in everything, this is Jesus talking, remember, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets, meaning the Old Testament commands. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Now, when if we just looked at the first two verses, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. You know what that is? That's the golden rule. I mean, most of us grew up hearing the golden rule. You hear that in school. Hey, do to others what you want them to do. You know, treat other people how you want to be treated. But what are the two greatest commandments? Jesus was asked, what are the two greatest commandments? And he said, you know what they are? Love God with everything you've got and love others how you love your own self. Treat others how you want to be treated. That's the that's the golden rule. Now, a really, really simple example, which leave it to me to give simple examples of this, is driving, at least for me. So, and probably some of you don't drive. Maybe some of you don't even have your driver's license. I grew up in Michigan and you get your driver's license when you're 16. And so when I drive, if I'm driving and there's somebody in front of me and they're just poking along just taking their sweet time and i'll be like come on you know gas is on the right buddy press it go like what are you doing you know because i've got places to go and people and what it really boils down to is that my life matters more than his life because he's poking along and i gotta get going But if the roles are reversed, and this has happened to me so many times, and I swear the Holy Spirit like nudges me like, see, see what you just did there? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I do see that. If I'm the one who's maybe I'm a little lost, so I'm going really slow. Maybe I'm looking for an address on a house or some, and I'm poking along in my car, and a guy will be behind me beeping, and, you know, I'll be like, jerk, you don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying, I don't even know where I'm at, you know. You should be empathetic. But when I'm in his car, I'm not empathetic, you know, and that's how we are wired. We tend to think that life is all about us. And so 
the broad point that Jesus is making, especially in these first two verses, but really the whole idea here of what he's talking about is that it would be really horrible if we were forgiven a great debt, but then turned around and were merciless to others. And that happens. You know, it happens to most of us. We want to be treated graciously and wonderfully, but we don't want to have to treat others that way. Now, maybe you guys don't feel like doing this, but can you throw out some examples to me of ways that you would like to be treated? Kindness is such a big one. Understanding is huge. That's really big for me. What? Did somebody say something? No? Empathy. Empathy is such a big one because that's, if you can put yourself in someone else's shoes, then you can treat them, right? So that's that's huge. Yes, Brenda. Support. Support. Forgiven. Yeah. I mean, these are all the rich things of life. You know, for somebody to walk past me on a street and just even smile, it's just the kindness of a smile makes a difference. So I try to smile at people, even the people that walk in towards me and they're all grumpy and nasty, you know, just to treat them how I want to be treated, not how I am treated, how I want to be treated. You know, parables are um, can be hard to understand because they they can be hard to figure out what exactly is Jesus trying to say here. And Jesus uses a lot of hyperbole. You know what hyperbole is? It's it's overstating something. And actually, I do this a lot. Um, I'm not lying. I just I'll overstate something to really stress my point. And Jesus does that a lot when he gives parables. And sometimes I think he actually wants to shock us. So he'll overstate something to wake us up, just pay attention, to make us start thinking. And in this, in this passage, it's to show us a more beautiful way to live for ourselves and for those around us. You know, Jesus, if you read through the Gospels, Jesus isn't against things. He isn't opposed to things. That, that's not how he's... That's not how he is. I mean, other than maybe the religious establishment, but he was for things and he was positive and he, that's how he came at everything. I mean, he is all about love. And so in this passage, he is trying to communicate what the kingdom of God looks like. And there's another passage we're going to look at too in Luke. And even just throughout the gospels, he's always trying to communicate. What does the kingdom of God look like? Oh, it looks like this. So it really looks um, like the way of love, like giving of ourselves and forgiving and um, welcoming everyone, the sinner, the foreigner, the non-citizen, the whoever we would consider as the other. And um, this is the Jesus way. This is what it looks like. It's the narrow gate. He's talking about entering through a narrow gate and not many choose it because it's not easy. 
to live this way, to love this way, to treat people this way. It's not easy. It is difficult. Jesus himself said that. It's difficult. And few opt for this gate. Jesus is saying only a few choose this gate, even those who may profess to follow Jesus, because we don't want to do these things. They're hard and they can even be painful. We may want others to live this way, especially when it's how they're going to treat us. But we don't want to have to put these types of things into practice ourselves. But this is the only way to this life of peace and love that Jesus talks about, the kingdom of God. And those who reject the directions of Jesus for his directions to walk this way of peace, they end up following or going through the wide gate, which is super easy to get through. It's wide. You can walk through there with a whole bunch of people. And it's the way of unforgiveness and bitterness and getting even when we're hurt. When someone hurts us, we want to get even. And it leads to a life of violence and just angst and turmoil, opposite of peace, and even death. And it leads to, ultimately, and Jesus says it, destruction. It's a life of misery. And by the way, if we reject going the way of Jesus, we reap these dis destructive consequences of going our own way because that's just how life works. You reap what you sow. Jesus isn't saying, I'm going to punish you and this is what's going to happen. He's just stating a fact. You go the wide open gate and you live the way of destruction, you're going to reap destruction. If you go through the narrow gate and you, you're sowing love and peace and treating others the way you want to be treated, eventually you're going to reap that. So we can choose to journey in the way of righteousness, joy, peace, or the more popular way where we are number one and end up weeping and gnashing our teeth, which Jesus talks about in the Bible. So another passage I want to look at is Luke 6, 27 through 31. And he's also talking about this kingdom. And it's it's very similar idea, but he even takes it a step farther. So if you really want to know what is this Jesus way, this is what he says. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. All easy stuff, right? Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. That's what it looks like. And it doesn't get any clearer. He's making it very clear. This is what it looks like. You know, as a, as a teacher, you try so hard to paint a picture of what, you know, like in this case, what Jesus is saying here. And especially as a teacher of God's word, 
to me, it's so beautiful and it's so good and it's all love. So I just want to like give you this amazing gift. But I know that some people, they think of the Bible as just a rule book or even God is just a God who comes down on you and you have to be obedient and you have to do this or else. And I grew up with that a little bit. So I'm like, oh, but that's not it. That's not who he is. And that's not the Bible. And so let me, you know, let me give you this, um, this amazing gift. And so when I was thinking of this passage, I thought of a movie clip that I'm going to show you guys from Les Mis. And, you know, Les Mis was a Broadway show for a long time, and then they made it into a movie with Liam Neeson. So I want to show this one scene, but I just want to set it up for you just a little bit for you who are completely unfamiliar with the story. So a man is um, in prison for stealing a loaf of bread, and he's finally let go, and he ends up at this priest's house, and he feeds him and he tells him he can stay there for that night. So, and that's where the scene picks up just so you know. Okay. Is that clear? Okay. Isn't that good? Yeah. And he ends up, he ends up, that's okay. Um, he really does become a man of God and he ends up becoming the mayor of his town and, you know, the whole story, but it's the story of one man's life completely turning upside down because another man chose to treat him like a brother instead of an enemy. And that's the perfect picture of what the kingdom of God looks like. You, you don't get any better than that scene right there. And I believe that's what Jesus had in mind when he tried to describe it to us in the Luke passage. The the Broadway show, I've actually had the privilege of seeing it. And um, when in, in the Broadway show, it's, you know, it's all song, right? So in the song where the priest says that to him, that, you know, I bought your soul for God, he replies and says, yet why did I allow that man to teach my soul or to touch my soul and teach me love? He treated me like any other. He gave me his trust. He called me brother. My life, he claims, for God above. Can such things be? For I had come to hate the world, this world that always hated me. Take an eye for an eye. Turn your heart into stone. This is all I've lived for. This is all I have known. So that's all this man knew was hate. That's, that's all he knew. So I think about that when I'm on the streets. You know, the people that I encounter, I wonder what they've known. I wonder how they were raised. Do they know love? Have they ever been loved? And he goes on to say, one word from him and I'd be back, meaning back in prison, beneath, beneath the lash upon the rack. Instead, he offers me my freedom. I feel my shame inside me like a knife. He told me that I have a soul. How does he know? What spirit comes to move my life? Is there another way to go? This is the narrow gate right here. He says, I am reaching, but I fall and the night is closing in, and I stare into the void, to the whirlpool of my sin. I'll escape now from the world, from the world of Jean Valjean. That was his name. Jean Valjean is nothing now. Another story must begin, right? So, and that's that's the hope and the goal of this narrow gate is 
few find it, but when you go through it, it's, it is, it is difficult, but it's the way of love and peace and bestowing on someone who maybe has never been loved, who has never known it. And, you know, how would you feel if you were robbed? I mean, truthfully, I've been robbed. I've been robbed a couple times, I guess. Um, someone broke into our house one time. We lived in Michigan and um, stole some really, <clears throat> sorry, precious jewelry for me and things like that. But would you turn around and make sure they got the candlesticks too? I mean, if we're honest, no, none of this is easy. We very naturally want to look out for ourselves. And I can only imagine what some of you who have experienced or are experiencing what it's like to live where you don't have your own place. Is it really degrading sometimes? I mean, besides the people who are just rude or unfriendly, do they sometimes treat you like you're less than human? Like you're invisible? Because you know what? I hate it when I'm treated that way. And I am treated that way sometimes. It's infuriating. But this whole idea of living the Jesus way is not impossible. Jesus said, all things are possible when we do them with him. We're not asked to do these things in our strength. That's, that is the beautiful thing, you guys, of Jesus. He's not up in heaven. A God up in heaven said, okay, here's this world. I've given it to you, and this is how I want you to be. So now just go be it. He came into the world, became one of us, and then allowed himself to be crucified, defeated death, sin, Satan, hell, and he's now with us, and he can live within us. So we do these things not in a vacuum, but with God, with us and within us. We have the Holy Spirit to draw from and call on and lean on and depend on. Basically, he lives through us if we allow him. And I don't want to give you guys pat answers today. Um, you know, Jesus himself was mocked and beaten and ultimately killed, but he was also God. We are truly just human beings, weak vessels. And it is challenging, but I really believe if our identity, who we really are, our worth, you're not going to get it from out there on the street. I'm not going to get it in my workplace or even sometimes in our families. You know where it has to come from? It has to come from God. If our who we are and our worth comes from God, if we are abiding in Jesus, if we're getting our relevance from him, I am relevant because God says so. He sees me. He sees you. He loves us just the way we are. Then we can do it. We get what we need from him, and then we go out and face the day with him. And you know what? Maybe we blow it big time. I blow it every time I get behind this driver's wheel. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe we blow it, but the next day is a new day, and it's another try. Living a life of love where we go through this narrow gate and follow the Jesus way, I'm telling you, it requires us to receive love from him 
and to live loved. Not to be worrying so even all the time about, am I obeying? Am I loving him? Am I doing good? No, I need to receive his love. I need to focus on that because his love changes everything. I promise you. And then we live out of the fullness and the wholeness he gives. And then we can give it away. That's how it works. If we're spirit-filled, abiding in Jesus, we can love how he tells us to because we do it in his power.